Howdy doody. How are y'all doing? I think I gotta jump on things by letting Star out ahead of time. I'm hoping. <laughs> I'm calling her in right now so I can get started on things. Oh, you know, I had a really fun, good, exciting study time. Look at all these pins and all these notes. <gasps> so fun. Okay, let me close my door. Let me get my dogs in and close my door and we'll get started. I'm so excited. Matthew 16. I had questions for my pastor today. I'm like texting him. He's out of town. I'm like, what does this mean? What does that mean? Why are they saying this? I had all kinds of questions today. I'm so thankful for a man of God in my life. So uh, here's actually right out of the chute what I was confused about. Pharisees came tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. So, like, why was this a problem? Jesus says down here, a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And I just didn't understand that. So I texted my pastor, and I'm like, um, you know, why, why is it a wicked and adulterous generation that seeketh after a sign? Because, like, just a, a simple, for instance, is the book of Revelation. It's, it says, blessed are those who seek to understand these, what this means, what these signs mean. The book of Revelation is nothing but symbolism. And it says, blessed are those who tried. So why is Jesus saying a wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign? And um, there were, my what I came to in my own prayer and pondering is that, first of all, they were tempting him. They were testing him and asking that he would show them a sign. And, um, you know, the, they weren't asking for a sign of, of the miraculous. Jesus was doing that without them asking for it. He was doing that left and right. Um, he even did that in his hometown where there was not much faith and he couldn't do too much, but even there he, he only, he healed a few people. <laughs> so it wasn't a sign like a miraculous sign. They were wanting, you know, some kind of uh, deep insight or um, anyway, you know, signs. It, it means token from heaven is what the word means. And so, first of all, they weren't being pure. They weren't being pure and they're seeking after a sign. They were, they were specifically trying to test him. And that, you know, they were Pharisees and Sadducees. They weren't trying to be spiritually minded. They were, they were a very black and white, and I'm not opposed to logic. When I say they were logical, I'm, I'm not opposed to that. But they were in no means making any effort to be spiritually minded. They were all about the letter of the law and nothing about the heart of the law. 
nothing about the heart. And Jesus is all about the heart. <laughs> He's all about that heart. So that's, that's first of all, they were not being spiritually minded at all. And when I talked to my pastor about it, my pastor said something very interesting from his perspective. He said, signs can be faked. Signs can be faked. And that was very interesting because my brother is an illusionist. Um, before he was involved in ministry, he learned how to do, um, you know, like, like a card tricks, you know, where you can shuffle and you can make cards look like they're at the top of the pile and they're actually in the middle or make them look all kinds of different ways. He can do all kinds of illusions for, with cards and doves and, and uh, he just knows the tricks of the trade. And so he says signs can be faked. And then he pointed out the, um, the serpents in Egypt, when Moses threw down his rod and it became a serpent, the, the magicians of Pharaoh did something similar. But it wasn't legitimate. Moses' serpent ate the, the magician's serpents. <laughs> signs can be faked. And so it's a wicked and adulterous generation that seeks after a sign. But Jesus goes on to say something that is very cool. There shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. I can just see him huffing about with his robes going whoosh. And he just leaves right out of there. There shall be no sign given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. So what is the sign of the prophet Jonas? Oh, this is kind of cool. We're going to come back to this line in just a minute. But for sure, Jonah, this is talking about Jonah. Jonah was in the belly of the whale for three days. Um, Another scripture uh, defines it as the belly of hell for three days. And then he came out and that's exactly what Jesus is going to do. So the only sign he cared about giving these people was the fact that he was going to come out of the grave. He was going to go in for three days, but he was coming out. And that's the only sign he was going to give these people who were trying to test him. He left them and departed. We're going to come back to this line right here. And so... Um, the disciples, this is so funny because we talked about this yesterday about how Jesus keeps having to repeat lessons. The disciples realized they had forgotten to take bread. Jesus said, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now he talked about leaven. We talked about leaven as well in Matthew 13, where he says, let's, let's get back there real quick. Um, here it is. 13. Another parable spake he unto them, the kingdom of heaven is likened to leaven, which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal till the whole was leavened. That's all he said about it. This is part of those back-to-back -back parables that they were like, why are you talking in parables? So beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. Now, who did he just talk to? The Pharisees and Sadducees. So Jesus still has this conversation on his mind. He's still frustrated. You know how that is? Those people, they said this. I, I could have said this. You know how you leave a conversation? <laughs> like, I could have said. Oh, I could have said. And you think of all kinds of things. Well, clearly, right out of the chute, the disciples are coming to the other side. They've forgotten bread. Jesus said, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. He still has these people on his mind. 
And the disciples <laughs> reasoned among themselves saying, it is because we have taken no bread. And then when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, oh, ye of little faith. Like, I'm not talking about bread. Why, why are you talking among yourselves? Because you've not brought bread. Do you not yet understand? Like, oh my word. First of all, remember the five loaves of the 5,000 and how many baskets you took up. And are you forgiving that the second time from seven loaves, I fed 4,000 and how many baskets you took up? Like, I'm not talking about bread. I'm not getting on to you about bread. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, but that you should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees? I'm, I'm not. <laughs> you guys are so earthly minded that you're no heavenly good. Like I'm, I, Christ's mind was on the lessons and he's, he's, his brain is still up in here. And he's frustrated that these guys are, are thinking about bread and he's still thinking about spiritual things. And he's, Jesus is trying to tithe. Remember that lesson I taught you? And beware of the Pharisees. And they're like, oh, my word. So then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. A little leaven, just a little bit of their doctrine is going to fill the whole lump. A little sin is going to fill your whole life. A little false doctrine is going to take over the whole loaf. Be aware. Be careful. Be so careful about who you let speak into your life. How they speak into your life. What they speak into your life. Be so careful. Be so careful. So then we move into another place that is just just a bedrock to, to apostolic people. So, you know, you've got to remember that these disciples were not in any way affected or infected with the Trinitarian doctrine. It had not crossed their mind to even think about God in three persons. It had not crossed their mind. That doctrine did not come to fruition until about 300 years after Christ. 300 years after Christ. That's older than the United States of America. That's how long it took for God in three persons to come about as a doctrine. Okay? These people were not thinking about the Trinity at all. And they were all from birth brought up. Hero Israel, the Lord our God is one. Oh, you know what? I got something cool I'm going to show you real quick. Hold on. It's right here close. Real close, real close, real close. Right here. This is a little thing I keep close. I got this when I was in Israel. So what this is. You know, the Deuteronomy says, teach, teach it unto your children. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Okay? This is, this is um, the law. That's what this is a little picture of, a scroll rolled up. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And, and, and it says, you shall teach them diligently unto your children. When you lie down, when you rise up, when you come in your house, when you go out of your house, when you walk along the way, teach it to your children. So these people 
all of these people had no no uh, Trinitarian doctrine to get past. God in three persons was not even, it, it wasn't here in their lives. The concept had not even come to them. The concept had not even come to them, all right? This is just an example of one of the ways they, the families raised their children every day knowing the law. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy might, their strength. So this is a little little piece, and you roll up Deuteronomy, um, is it 6-4? Six, 4-6, four? Four, six, six, four. I think it's 6-4. You roll it up, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. It's this little piece of paper, and you roll it up, and you put it inside there. And then you screw this to your door, like where your doorbell would be. And you... Every time you go in your house or in anybody's house, you and your, your, your Jewish friends, you kiss your fingers, you touch this, and you kiss your fingers again. Every time you go in and out of a house, you kiss it, you kiss your fingers, you kiss the law, you kiss your fingers. You kiss your fingers, you kiss the law, you kiss your fingers. Every time you go in and out of your house, this is what they use to this day. I, I, this is a modern thing. I've got this just, I don't know, 12 years ago or something in Israel. You just screw it to your door. But this is, this is how, this is just one token of how they reiterated living for God, the law of God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. So right here, what we're about to talk about this is a big deal what Peter says because they know the Lord our God is one. When Jesus came to the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, whom do men say that I am, that I the son of man am, right? Son of man. He was born of humanity. He was born of a female, a regular woman. Now, the Holy Ghost was his father. And by the way, that that one statement right there defeats the Trinitarian doctrine that there would be God in three persons. Mary was found with child of the Holy Ghost. That means the Holy Ghost is the daddy. The Holy Ghost is the father. That That's, yeah, okay. It's such, it's so sad. It's just absolute nonsense. Okay, so and then they say, some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others, Jeremiah's or one of the prophets. So they're saying, they're saying you're kind of a reincarnation of, of one of these people. Um, to, the Jewish culture has a lot of superstition in it. Um, like things like uh, coming back from the dead. Um, of course, we know people can be raised from the dead, but like reincarnated. Um, uh, like when, when Peter was released from prison in the book of Acts and uh, he was at the door knocking at the door and Rhoda went in and said, he's at the door. And they said to her, it is his angel. That's a part of Jewish superstition. They believe that, you know, a person has an angel that, that looks like them. Um, but so they're saying, you know, some say you're one of these people come back from the dead. And Jesus said, but whom say ye? that I am. This is an important question. Remember how we talked about um, Jesus 
when Jesus needs us to, to show a desire to get to know him, to show, to ask him questions in our asking of questions that, that when we ask him questions that demonstrates to him, we want to know secrets. If we just go through life without questioning, then, then God, God doesn't reveal secrets to us, his secrets. So he says, whom say ye that I am? He wants to know their heart. And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. So Jesus said, whom do men say that I, the son of man am? He, he puts forth like, you know, I, I, I have flesh and blood. Who are people saying that I am? And Peter says, you're the son of the living God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. We are not, you know, off put at all by who you are. We know who you are. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou Simon Barjona. For flesh and blood is not revealed this to you, but my father, which is in heaven. And I say unto you, you are Peter. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Okay. So let's, let's dissect this a little bit. So first of all, the word Christ in the Greek means simply anointed, but the word Christ to the Hebrew people also meant Messiah because the only word in the Old Testament used for anointed is in Daniel 9 and it is the word Messiah. So the word Messiah is in the Old Testament and it is referring to Christ the anointed one. And so Peter said, Simon Peter answered and said, you are Messiah. The same one Daniel prophesied about, that's who you are. And Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, because only my father could reveal this to you. And so this is, this is very sweet and special to see. Simon, so um, Simon Barjona, is that a little blurry? That looks blurry to me. Simon Barjona, Bar means son of, Bar son of. So Simon is the son of Jonah. Jonah is um, sometimes in, um, by the time we get to here, you know how sometimes we've got Isaiah being pronounced Isaias. So Jonah is also um, called John. Jonas, also Jonas, but it is also J-O-N-A-H, as in prophet Jonas or Jonah. So the cool thing about this right here, Jesus said, the only sign you're going to get is the sign of the prophet Jonas. Now there's a chance it strictly means the fact that Jesus, like Jonah, was in the tomb for three days and he came out. But it could also mean that this this guy right here was going to deliver a message and he was going to have an experience called the infilling of the Holy Ghost. 
And that is the only sign Jesus was going to let them have. Was this sign right here of this man, Simon, son of Jonas, being filled with the Holy Ghost and then preaching about the Holy Ghost. I love that so much. This chapter has uh, all kinds of references about Jonah in it. I just love that. I think that's really cool. So um, Simon, let's see, I got some notes here somewhere. Oh, this, let, let me, let me, uh, let me finish this and then I'll go back to Christ. Um, Simon means stone. Simon means stone. Peter means rock. Now, <laughs> Google, Google Petra, because that's, Petra is, is the Greek way you, you write Peter, Petra. Google Petra, and you will get a visual image of what Jesus was saying is the, is the, uh, the, 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 what the doctrine that, that was revealed to Peter was. So he was, he was at, at birth called a stone, which is something you can hold in your hand or a rock. But he was saying, but I say, you are Peter, you are a rock, you are the dude. And then he said, um, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. He's not building the church on this man. And we're going to see why that's a really good thing, because this is, Peter is a flawed human. <laughs> Very flawed. Within the same chapter, we're going to read about how he is a flawed human. So Jesus is not saying, on this man, I'm going to build my church. He's saying, upon this rock, this revelation that you have, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That's why you want to be in the church because the gates of hell is not going to be able to prevail against the church that understands who Jesus Christ is. You want to be in the church. That's a safe place to be. And the other cool thing about, um, about Christ being the anointed one is the Levitical priesthood the the priest that is anointed Christ means anointed Messiah means anointed the priest that is anointed shall take of the bullock's blood and bring it to the tabernacle of the congregation and the priest of the son that is anointed in his stead shall offer it it is a statute forever unto the Lord it shall be wholly burnt so Christ is the high priest anointed to be the sacrifice he would Christ wasn't just giving the sacrifice Christ, Christ was being the sacrifice and Christ is the offering instead of any other and for every other. So the, this understanding that he's the anointed one is huge. It's saying that Jesus Christ is taking the place of this priesthood. This priesthood is no longer needed. That's also why these guys felt threatened because they, they had a sense that this, they were no longer needed. <laughs> And then I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loose in heaven. Now, um, I, I, I don't believe that Jesus was only give, saying this to Peter. Now, we do know that Peter was the one who was the mouthpiece to unlock to the masses on the day of Pentecost, unlock. So the keys unlock it to the masses, the kingdom of heaven. And so I, I do believe that that was a prophecy for Peter. But 
because he was actually still talking to all of his disciples and because we have this understanding that he we said thou art peter upon this rock i will build my church he wasn't talking about just peter peter is is too flawed of a human for everything to be built on peter everything is actually built on christ so because we we see that even though to our english minds this is a fluid sentence because we can see that this is not a fluid sentence. It's actually got all these places that it's moving around. Just like this has all these places that, that Christ is moving around. The disciples are talking about bread. Jesus is still talking about the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So all this hopping around is going on and you have to be able to move your mind around to, to fully understand how it all fits together. Same thing is happening here. And the same thing is happening here. Those of us who are followers of Christ, we are also given the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And therefore, whatsoever we bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever we loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. This is, this is information for disciples of Christ, which means us. And so... Jesus went on to charge his disciples that they should tell no man who, who Jesus, who he was, Jesus the Christ. He's addressing all of his disciples when he comes here. He's addressing all of them. Okay. So, um, now then we've got, um, this happening here from this time forward. Jesus began to tell his disciples how. He was going to go to Jerusalem and suffer things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. So Jesus starts from that time forth, from this time forward. Once he said, who do you say that I am? And they came to that place of understanding. Now he was able to trust them with this understanding, with this knowledge. This is why I came. I came to die. Okay. So while he's talking about, I came to die, Peter, this flawed human being, I'm sorry, right here. While he's talking about this, this flawed human being, Peter, that's still a flawed human being, Peter took him <laughs> and began to rebuke him. <laughs> oh my goodness. Being far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Jesus turned and said to Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of man. This is, this is stinky to understand. Okay. First of all, there are trials and fiery, fiery trials that we've got to go in me and you, and it's going to bring out gold. It's going to bring, make us better people. And there are people in our lives that would, would try to hinder us from going through the fiery furnace. And that's what Peter was trying to do with Jesus. He was trying to say, you're too good. No, 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 no. Don't be saying this is the case. Don't be saying it. Because 
that's of men to not want the fiery furnace, to not want to go through a trial. That's, that's of men. We, none of us want to go through a trial, but we need to. And if we are in a situation where we are going through something where we need to, we need to stay right there in that fire until the gold is brought forth. And, and anything that would try to make us escape the full process of coming out as gold, we need to say, get behind me, Satan. We need to disassociate from those friendships, disassociate from those books, disassociate from those shows, disassociate from anything that would try to keep us from going through the difficult processes. Cut them off. Go through the fire. Come out as gold. Get thee behind me, Satan. You're an offense to me. You're, you're, you're causing me to stumble when I need to stay strong right here in this fiery furnace. I'm going to be fine, but I'm going to have to go through this pain and this trial. This is just what it is. Yeah. Then said Jesus to his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Now, I got to say, until this morning, I have often been very surprised by this. Like, I've, I've said, what in the world? Why was Jesus talking about a cross when they'd never seen any Christian or any follower of Christ have a cross? Why, why was Jesus saying, take up your cross? And... And I remembered, I mean, I remembered, I saw for the first time, it's because of verse 21. From that time forth, he began to tell them, I'm, I'm going to, this is what's going to happen in Jerusalem. I'm going to be delivered up to these people. They're going to crucify me, but I'm going to be raised the third day. So he was able to say, deny yourself, take up your cross and follow me. They knew what he was talking about because he was telling them what he was talking about. And whosoever will lose his life, will save his life, shall lose it. So, you know, when we're in a fiery trial, if we escape, if we don't stick it out, we're going to end up losing. And whosoever will lose his life, will find it. Stay in that difficult situation. Trust the Lord. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not unto your own understanding. Be willing to lose your life for his sake because that's when you're going to find life. And by the way, friends, this is my testimony. For what will it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his soul? And what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The son of man shall come in the glory of his fathers with his angels and he shall reward every man according to his works. Listen, we cannot forget that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And so Christ is coming back. Christ is coming back. And he's coming back with his angels, the second coming. And he will reward every man according to his works. So let's, let's remember that. 
Let's have a little fear and respect in our lives that this is going to happen because sometimes these trials get so hard and hot and heavy that we would rather escape. But it's the fear of the Lord and the understanding that eternity has its rewards and its punishments. Sometimes it's just this that keeps us enduring. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Um, I'm going to end with this insight that... Um, Jesus was talking to his disciples and there is a, a wonky non nonsense doctrine out there that says that there's a disciple still alive because like they believe that till they see the son of man coming in his kingdom is referring to this right here, that the son of man shall come in the glory of his fathers with his angels, with of his father, with his angels. And so they think that that disciples are living for now, you know, over 2000 years, but he's, he's talking about the son of man coming in his kingdom. He's talking about the resurrection coming out of that tomb, coming into his kingdom. He's talking about the resurrection and the ascension. He's talking to his disciples and we know for sure Judas was not there to see that. So there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the son of man coming in his kingdom. The son of man came into his kingdom at the cross, at, not just at the cross, but the whole process, the crucifixion, the death, burial, the resurrection and the ascension. And sure enough, they were standing there and they saw it happen. Thank you for joining me today. God bless.